Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I will start off by sharing a few questions that I have been pondering this week. Question one. What do the first verses from the first chapter of Genesis have to do with Jesus' baptism? The second is a bit different. Why did the Son of God incarnate, Jesus of Nazareth, who is perfect in every way, need to be baptized at all? I will deal with these questions in order, but let me slow walk you through them, okay? Well, this morning I'm going to debate some of my seminary professors and fellow students by saying that the creation events recorded in Genesis had a hard start and ending, at least as I believe they were meant to be interpreted. Our conversations around biblical interpretation concerning what the original Hebrew really means have been blown wide open the last few decades as regards Genesis 1, leading many to disagree with what I just said. Now, I know it's not cool to shadow box with those at my seminary alma mater who are not present, who teach and preach over a thousand miles from Montana, and many of whom have retired or passed on since I graduated. But the views I am discussing are shared by many biblical scholars these days. I'm debating the idea that Genesis describes a creative act that is uh, ongoing, continuous, incomplete, evolving, and unfinished. Many see a need to reinterpret the idea that creation was completed in an orderly fashion, handed over to humanity, left in the charge of human overseers, and at, at least I think, see that Genesis describes a creative event that is only starting, but not finished. Instead of translating these verses as the King James Version did, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, Scholars have moved to translate the Hebrew into English as in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, as our NRSV translation does. Or even more strongly in this direction, the common English Bible translates Genesis 1-1 as when God began to create. They hold that Genesis 1 describes events that are only just beginning ongoing, continuous, unfinished, instead of the days of creation being complete, orderly acts, which more traditional interpretations of Genesis hold that this chapter is describing. Now, I use all of their same language to describe God's work in the world. I just hold that it is distinct from the language of Genesis 1. God's movement in the world is ongoing, continuous, evolving, unfinished. But I argue that this work is not what Genesis 1 is focused on. Perhaps it's the traditionalist in me. 
But I believe that all of these aspects of God's work, how God is present in the world, is ongoing, continuous, complete, uh, or incomplete, evolving, and unfinished. But all of this work is recreative work in the world. Think Noah's Ark, in which God remakes the world through flood, death, and rebirth. Recreative. Think John 1, in which Scripture claims the Son of God was present in creation and is now and always present at our recreation in God's forgiveness, grace, and resurrection. Think of our baptisms, in which we are given new life in Jesus Christ, a powerful, recreative event for us, in spite of the fact that many of us in this congregation were just babies when we were baptized freshly minted with new mortal lives at the time when the waters of God's eternity graced our foreheads. I'm a proponent for language of recreation or new creation more than newer interpretive ideas that God just never got the job done. Why does this matter? Is it my goal to make your head spin? My wife complained again this week that I have a tendency to do just that. (laughs) So you are not alone if I'm confusing you with any of this. My personal life is affected just as much as my professional life by my curiosities about theological nuance. No. My goal is not to confuse anyone, but rather to connect the stories of Jesus' baptism, our own baptisms, and the many recreative events that happen in the world every day. And connect all of these things to the creation account of Genesis 1. What God did in the beginning, coming to a formless void, endless chaos, utter darkness, and speaking light into existence from nothing, is repeated in each and every one of us in our baptisms. And each and every one of us, through the redemptive moments of our lives, and in the redemptive moments of the life of the world. Unlike many deistic thinkers, you know, famously among them, several of America's founding fathers, like George Washington, Thomas Paine, Ben Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson, who believe that God set the world spinning and then left us with the ability to reason things out for ourselves. Unlike those guys, we believe that God interacts in ongoing, continuous, redemptive, and recreative ways with the world in order to save us from ourselves. This is why we share communion every week. We believe that we need God to intervene in order to forgive us of our sins in a very real, very tactile, very sacred way every week. This is why we move the baptismal font to the front of our congregation, kind of in your way as you walk up to the communion rail, in order to remind you that you are redeemed from the brokenness of your life and claimed as a child of God forever in your journey to the altar. 
We read the first few verses of Genesis this week precisely because baptism is a creative, or more properly, a recreative event in our lives and in the life of the world that we all desperately need. I hope this answers the first question that I was pondering this week. On to the second question. Why did the Son of God incarnate, Jesus of Nazareth, who is perfect in every way, need to be baptized at all? This question arises from the idea of baptism and communion as means of grace, sacred rites through which God offers us forgiveness and invites us into heavenly wholeness. If Jesus was and is perfect in every way, what, does it, what did his baptism do for him? He never did anything horrendous like killing a child with his car, God forbid, shooting up a liquor store for cash, or advocate for genocidal wars like so many people have done throughout history. Nor do we believe he was dogged by petty grievances like the rest of us. He did not begrudge his neighbors for political differences. He did not despise his boss for canceling casual Fridays. He did not cut anyone off on their way to work. What did Jesus need forgiveness for? The baptism of our Lord shows us that the sacred rite of baptism is about more than just forgiveness of sins, more than overcoming petty grievances more than displacing the pain of the overwhelming evil of humanity, more than all of our stuff combined. Jesus was baptized to secure the eternal connection of all creation. Let me say that again. Jesus was baptized to secure the eternal connection of all creation. In our baptisms, Gone are the distinctions between sinners and saints, righteous and unrighteous, rich and poor, homeless or homed, black and white, native or non-native, liberal or conservative, urban or rural, old or young, toxic or healthy. In baptism, all are one in Christ Jesus because Christ was baptized as the firstborn of all creation. None are left on the sidelines hoping to get in the game. None stand apart holding tickets to heavenly box seats or any other such nonsense. All are one in baptism in ways that defile human categories, distinctions, preferences, and priorities. In baptism, all are united with Christ. And in Christ, all are united with one another. So, faithful friends, we see again that baptism is the creative event that we all need. More properly understood, baptism is our recreation into who God would have us be. Through this recreative event, we are forgiven. And even more importantly, we are made whole. As we are reborn in Christ, we are reunited with one another 
in ways that are more powerful, profound, and everlasting than anything we can bring about on our own. This is all because many years ago, many miles from here, Jesus made his way through the wilderness to be baptized by John in the Jordan and made a way for us all to be baptized into heavenly wholeness side by side with everyone else. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.